The scripture this morning is Psalm 150. Please follow along in your bulletin or in your Bible. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud, clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true and given to us in love. Well, hello. Uh, As the kids were dismissing, I I heard one of them say, let's do this. Did y'all hear that? I'm ready. Let's do this. Welcome again to Hope Chapel and welcome to the month of September. Can you believe it? Fall is fast approaching and this Sunday wraps up our series on the book of Psalms. And I think today it is fitting that we look at the very last Psalm, Psalm 150. And technically, Psalm 146 to 150 is considered the complete close to the fifth book, but also the entire book of Psalms. It's considered the famous last words. And and I don't know about you, but when I hear the famous last words, I, I tend to lean in a little bit, pay closer attention. But Psalm 150 begins and ends with hallelujah, which simply means praise God. So hallelujah, praise, Yah is God. Yah is short for Yahweh. Yahweh in the Hebrew was spelled with breath marks, not letters. Aspirated consonants that when spoken are the sound of breathing. One writer said the name of God is the sound of our breathing. The name of God was never to be uttered loudly, but gradually and quietly became breaths. Great respect for God and the symbolism with him breathing life into us. His creation is there. Genesis 2, 7. This spiritual and physical breathing into us. So, hallelujah, praise the Lord is how this psalm begins. It is considered the musician's psalm. Raise your hand if you're a musician. Look at that. It includes all the diverse instruments that would be included in the temple orchestra of that day. It's a psalm of great praise. But a few things struck me uh, on Monday about this. Uh, And do I have your permission to be honest? Okay, because I won't be. (laughs) As I looked into this and as I discovered that this is the musician's psalm, I had a great sense of inadequacy. I just feel like I, I, I have no musical skills. I feel like musical skills have been separated as far as the east is from the west for me. (laughs) And for whatever reason, there are other things happening. So Monday to me, I was in a a funk, to say the least. And to think of talking about a psalm of praise was just, it was overwhelming. I was not in a place of praise, especially on Monday. As a matter of fact, I threw my air guitar across the room. Thank you. Trip. Trip. My mind was in another place and it wasn't a helpful place. And the honesty of it all is I just 
I just didn't feel very, uh, not just adequate, but smart coming into this and looking deeper at this passage. I felt overwhelmed by my limitation. You can do a couple things with limitation. You can let it spin you into a funky place on a Monday afternoon. Or you can actually allow it to have its way to lead you into a place of praise. My wife has written a lot about meeting God in the midst of facing our limitations. And she actually helped me along to see this wonderful truth found in Psalm 150. And actually the whole book of Psalms are about human limitations. Meeting a great God of endless power and possibility, yet coming with our limitation. And if you think about it, the Psalms, I mean, they're Psalms of lament. They're Psalms expressing great anger. Psalms expressing doubt, defeat, intimidations, sorrow, mistakes, family struggles, on and on and on. All of those limitations and messiness come to Psalm 150 with great praise. And it's because of God's love, and Daniel spoke of this last week, and his sweet involvement that we come to this place of praise, even in the midst of our limitation. So I didn't have to wallow in limitation, but I actually could put the Lord before me and let my mind take on a different course to take a deep breath and remember God is with me. So, so that is the beginning of, of what I feel like is the intro to this beautiful, wonderful Psalm 150. And I'd love to pray if you don't mind. So, Lord, I do feel it extremely appropriate to set you before us even right now. That in the midst of human limitation, I know we all have them, Lord, that you would inform our biblical imagination. That you would give us great opportunities to be transformed in the midst of our limitation. Lord, may your words stand out today in our mind. Reach, Lord, I give you permission, even in my own heart, reach deep into our life with your word, your living word, in Christ's name, amen. So Psalm 150, I'm just going to go through this, uh, this short psalm. Please follow along in your bulletin or your Bible. It's broken down in a simple outline form. Verse 1, where, where to praise the Lord. Verse 2, why God is to be praised. Verses 3 to 5, how to praise the Lord. And finally, verse 6, who praises the Lord. So verse 1, praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Both of these together, the sanctuary and the mighty heavens, it's, it's as if it's saying, praise God here and praise God there. All who exist in both places praise God. And the sanctuary in God's temple in the time this psalm was written was a sacred and holy place. And I just, in my, in my imagination, I go to the stonework, imagining walking around in that temple, to the symbolic garden imagery that is engraved in the pillars, to the temple priests who are wearing such symbolism of God's presence, to the curtains that divide all the sections of the courts, to imagine people wandering and being in community 
and imagine some people having such great reverence for God's presence. All the smells that came with the temple of that day. But we have to take these words in the context of the new covenant. We must see them through the eyes of Christ, whose death on the cross initiated a whole different way to live life. You remember the the curtain was torn from the top to the bottom so that God's presence is available to us. And actually, it's even greater than that. And, And these words, 1 Corinthians 3, stand out. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Imagine that. Imagine God walking in the corridors of your soul. Imagine him walking and seeing everything, noticing the pillars that hold up your life, seeing us. So the forgiveness of sins is for the fact that God can come and make his dwelling in our heart and live through us unto a broken world. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the mighty heavens. Mighty heavens, I love this. In an older translation, it talks about firmament, which I'm like, what is that? That sounds familiar. But it's the expanse that we see in the sky. It's considered the space, the heavens. Psalm 19 uses that word where it says the heavens declare the glory of the God. Psalm 147, listen to these words. It says, he determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Verse 3, praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. The sky offers us a wonderful canvas to see God's greatness. Uh, Our family went to a Grimsley game uh, a couple of weeks ago. We sat up at the top right of the stadium and we, uh, my daughter's in the, in the band, which is a fantastic band. The football team is great. I mean, it's, they're going to be games there the next two nights. Okay, so there's my advertisement. But we're up in the top and just noticing kind of the expanse and the clouds. And, and the sun was setting and, and the beams of light were shining through dark clouds. And the sun finally went down. And then there's some, it, they looked like purple clouds that were coming. And they started to roll towards the stadium. And then sure enough, there is lightning. And it was, it was an odd experience because the announcer that was kind of background music talking about the game, he came on and said, uh, everyone, please listen. There's lightning in the area. Get up and leave. <laughs> if you need to go to the gymnasium, it's open. You must leave now. And it was just interesting because I think what was happening in the expanse, it grabbed everyone's attention and there was action. I think this happens even when a hurricane is coming. And I can't explain destructive hurricanes and God a part of that. I can't explain that. But what it does, it grabs us. There's a higher power. There's something happening here. We have to take action. We have to respond to this. There's great power displayed in moments like that praise him in the mighty heavens verse 2 praise him for his mighty deeds praise him according to his excellent greatness and the idea there mighty deeds i think in the psalms it's always pointing back always pointing back almost always pointing back to the exodus story because the exodus story is always lodged into the imagination of god's people 
So that story is retold over and over and over, especially to the children. That visual was put before the children constantly. And a number of years ago, I was with some guys, and we had the chance of being right on the shore of the Red Sea, and we were there on a study program. And we, and we swam out to a floating dock and swam about 15 feet down under to try to get a rock. And we did it, and it was painful and weird. But, you know, we had this rock from the Red Sea thinking, oh, okay, this rock, I mean, surely the people would have walked on this rock way back when. But what that did was it, it put something in my mind. It put something in my imagination that I could really hold on to that this is real. That what we're talking about here is real. So how to make that a reality in our everyday life. Now, the, the mighty deeds were the exodus, but also, more importantly, pointing to the lamb that was slain. That the lamb being Jesus Christ, who came and provided a new exodus for us, a new way of life. The promised land, I believe, is pointing to life with Christ for the church. So God's ultimate act was Christ going to the cross, dying, rising again to provide a new creation for us. So what is impossible with man is possible with God because he is great. But this is what happened, happens. And this is what happened to me, I think, on Monday. Is when my mind's eye starts to lower itself to glance down at my greatness. <laughs> my greatness equaling limitation. And that's the tendency. And I'm always curious what, what that sounds like for people. That when their everyday mindset droops to take on maintaining their personal greatness, either, through, either via pride or shame, something happens. And it's usually, the outcome of that usually is anger, me throwing my air guitar across the room. Arrogance, dismay, and it all kind of falls from that. But what the psalmist is doing is he is setting the Lord before his mind. He is setting the Lord before the people's mind. And, and if you're going to write down a cross-reference, write down Psalm 16.8. I encourage you to study and memorize Psalm 16.8, which says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. Remembering God's greatness and mighty works is kept before us. We have to factor him in, in the midst of our limitation. And this verse guided me this week. Gosh, it was so, so helpful. Because it made his presence real as I prepared for this even. And I imagine God working in and being in the midst of my limitation. Psalm 77 says, his way is through the mighty waters. Can you imagine the people standing right in front of the Red Sea and seeing those mighty waters and God saying, go that way. Oh, we can't do that. Moses, lift up your staff, raise up your hand. So these next verses, I have an image of the psalmist struck in my, in my mind. Because of all these things, the psalmist is writing and then he's walking into the temple and he's like, grab an instrument. Everyone, Gra just grab an instrument. Every 
instrument that we can find. Grab it. Let's go, as the children said. Let's do this. Get an instrument. And I sense this intensity of like, because of these things, I'm, let's go. Walter Brugman said, music is central to the congregation's praise as it speaks to both the intellect and the emotion. Oh gosh, it's so true. So how do we praise? Verse three, and I'm just going to quickly run through these verses and wrap up. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. And the trumpet was always used for like a big announcements, like the Jubilee, the coronation of kings, the giving of the law, even times of war, even the second coming of Christ. There's a trumpet to be blown. A lute is a guitar, a harp. Both are used with fingers. And they have this idea of wake up, awakening. And Psalm 57 talks about these instruments as waking up to God's love that reaches to the heavens. Verse 4, praise him with tambourine and dance, praise him with strings and pipe. And these instruments represent loud, soft wind, string, percussion, dance. There's diversity here. But with these particular verses, Exodus 15, 10, Miriam, she sings a song and and it is the most jubilant of worship where she dances and plays the tambourine. And then Genesis 4, 20 talks about the pipe. So you see strings and pipe. What's so fascinating to me is this pipe is most likely a shepherd's pipe. So it's probably something you can carry with you. And the lowly shepherd's would have used this. And so I like that, that image of as uh, regal as the trumpet is to as humbling as the shepherd's pipe. Bring them all. <laughs> There's something erupting in our Grab all the instruments. And so the intensification con- continues in verse 5. The sound, praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. And that goes back to uh, David's praise when the ark returned the presence of God returned to Jerusalem so Augustine talks about how the breath is employed in blowing the instrument the fingers are used in striking the strings of the psalter and the the harp the whole hand is exerted in the beating the feet move in the dance God want and hear this please God wants to use everything nothing is wasted Because of verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Who praises the Lord? Obviously, I do. We do. Even in the midst of limitation and hurt. But there's some debate here because some translations, your translation may say, let everyone who has breath. But the fact is, it's everything which involves the, the created order. This is weird right here. Psalm 148, verse 7. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures. And all deeps, beasts, livestock, creeping things, flying birds, young and old people, let them all praise the Lord. Flying birds. You know, we have a small little porch on the front of our house. And recently we have two chairs that we just put out there. And um, I've just noticed sunset, you know, as soon as that sun goes down, it's almost like a conductor 
waving his baton, cueing all the cicadas. And I just, you know, lately I've just been kind of thinking, what praise that is. And I even tried to make a cicada noise, <laughs> trying to talk to them. Um, early in the morning, I've been waking up and going out there, and as the sun rises, such symbolism in the sun rising. Um, the birds, there's always one bird that starts it, it seems like. The conductor tapping his podium with his baton, waving it, and then the birds just begin to sing. Something to that. One, them worshiping and praising, but another, the, the, uh, the routine of that, the rhythm of that. Even if it was a bad night or a storm that blew the trees. So one practical, I just want to provide some practical thoughts and then I will wrap things up here. That if we are to cut out time to go sit on the porch in the evening or in the morning, what might we do? How might we pray in light of Psalm 150? And a couple of thoughts that have come to mind. One is to consider your overfocus of limitation. Because I think that can be truly a hang-up for us. Oh, if only I was a little bit smarter. Versus, wow, Lord, I come with a limitation and it's going to give you an opportunity to reveal something even greater. And then next, to really be honest of where your mind's eye is. Is it on outcomes? Because often outcomes can reflect my greatness. Are we, are we obsessed with outcomes? Are we seeking another greatness? And this isn't a list. I don't want you to write a list and do it. But as my wife says, we're not to live by a list, but a, a lyric. We're not to live by a list, but a lyric. Spurgeon said, live into the eternal song. So in prayer to set him before you. To imagine him walk in the corridors of your life and your soul. Dallas Willard said, prayer is simply talking to God about what we are doing together. <laughs> I like that. Because that is factoring him in. The goal is to make real his presence. Whatever time you can give to prayerfully consider that this is a reality in my life. And what happens beyond that is is great desire for praise wells up in you. Go grab any instrument. Go grab something. And what's interesting to me is in the Hebrew, there's a close similarity between praising God and serving God. In some ways, those are closely tied. And so, therefore, our instrument may be partnership with Black Suit Initiative, for, for instance. Our instrument could be uh, a rake running itself across the lawn at Grimsley. I was over there uh, recently with some guys that had chainsaws and we were trimming up the trees over there. And I won't say that was worship music, <laughs> but the sound of chainsaws and serving people, I just, there's something there. I think there is a close link between praising God and serving him. And in this quote, I really wanted to mention this to you by Eugene Peterson. Prayer almost never begins in praise. It usually begins in hurt. 
or limitation. But if pursued long enough, it finally will develop into praise. I like that a lot. There's wisdom in that. So a final image to take with you that helps us move from limitation to to praise is found in the story of Jesus revealing himself in his resurrection form to the disciples who were behind closed doors. You know the story. The disciples were huddled. They locked the doors. They're conversing about what happened, that Jesus had been spotted. Hope was present, but not their reality. They were hit with limitation. And then what happened? Jesus appeared. And I think he appeared even, I don't know if he came through the door. I think he just appeared to them. And he was set before them in the midst of their fear and limitation. The resurrected Christ was a reality so much so that that Thomas was like, I got to touch you. I have to feel your wounds. I need to know. And it became a reality. Then Jesus said, peace to you, something they really needed. Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Verse 22, when he had said this, what did he do? You remember? He breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus gave them a new way out, a new exodus, a new order in the midst of their limitation. I avoid limitation, don't you? It's so key to move into a place of praise. So our loving service to the community is joining God's divine action in praise and in service. So grab, go grab an instrument. It doesn't matter which one. Use all things of life to praise God. I saw something really sweet with Elisa's, uh, Elisa Windsor's Instagram. When she announced Alistair... Um, she said, after nearly, basically after nearly four years of waiting, they welcomed the arrival of their son. And then she wrote the beautiful chorus on Instagram. We will feast in the house of Zion. We will sing with our hearts restored. He has done great things. We will say together, we will feast and weep no more. I love that. So no matter your limitation, your pain, your broken life, may we set the Lord before us. May we be okay with limitation and think on his greatness. May we take deep breaths of God's spirit and grab any instrument we can. Hallelujah. Amen.